we get into this week's episode of the podcast, you can follow us on our own social media accounts. All the links and details will be in the description. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Dim's taking a week, an episode off. I think he's still crying in his bedroom after the nil-nil. Liverpool haven't scored in three games in a row now. I think he's uh, crying that morning. Firmino and Salah haven't done bits. But we got myself, Milan, and we got Jane with me as well. Jane, you must be really happy with that performance from United. Yeah, solid performance at the back, especially. I don't think we could probably pull out that kind of a defensive performance. Um, well, I just didn't think we could pull it out. I don't think we had it in us. You know, the composure that we showed, the, the decisions that we're making at the back, Still, the whole game, we continue to play at the back. We didn't change our tactic in terms of starting route one, you know, giving Liverpool possession. Midfield, uh, very composed. Um, I'd probably say the only element that we lacked in that we've probably not for probably the last two, but three, four months is the final third, the attacking sense. We were really poor, especially in the final third, in terms of the decisions that were being made, you know, where passes needed to be made, offsides that players were just too eager running off. There was just, it seemed like everything just went out the window. I think if you look at the stats, I think Liverpool had a lot of shots, which was a given, but a lot of the shots were outside the box, you know. I think it was well contained, well managed. I think there were probably a few chances that Liverpool did. To be honest, I can't even really think of like Liverpool's. I think United probably had the better chances if you think about clear cut chances of that the game. Pogba one, that was a big yeah, one. Yeah, the Pog- the Pogba one. There was a few opportunities where United were in really good positions, whether two on three or you know two or three on two, something like that. And the final ball was just shit, or the final decision making was just shit. Mm. It, you know, the right option wasn't played. Um, and I think that's what ended up probably costing us getting a goal. I think there was an element of nerves there from certain players. I think Rashford, definitely Bruno, um, Martial. You could see, yeah, you could see Bruno was a bit nervous. Rashford, I can remember one chance, I can't remember in the second, what minute was in the second half, but he was through on goal and someone else was with him and he should have just played him in. But he went past Fabinho and just Fabinho just kind of... Yeah, 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 that was the Cavani one. He went. It was a Cavani, yeah. Cavani. Cavani, yeah. Cavani was there in between. Cavani just doing well. Like he pulled one of the centre backs away, but then yeah. Rashford should have carried on running straight. And but he went diagonal. He ran the other way, and then because <laughs> he went that way, Fabinho and I think there was another individual that just sandwiched him out. But as soon as he's gone that way now, his vision towards his left is literally just gone. Like he doesn't he's know what's vision, going on. Yeah, he can't do nothing. If he carried on running straight. Cavani could have, yeah, Cavani could have ran the other way. So what Cavani would have done, he would have pulled one of the players away. So it's literally just one-on-one with Fabinho. So there's options there whether he wanted to shoot or, you know, pass it in. But it's just little stuff like that. On an average day, Rashford would have ran straight. You know, for him to run in that diagonal motion just didn't make no sense. He wouldn't have never have done that. He would have gone so direct and just popped the shot off. But I think little things like that, Martial was offside so many times. You know, I think it was just... Were you, Bruno, were you surprised with um, Lindelof being in the starting eleven? Yeah, definitely, 100%. I've I seen rumours of it earlier in the day. I think they started lingering around around 11am. But Bailly wasn't injured or nothing. Yeah, I think there's just a bit of game management there. I don't think they wanted to risk it. 
because because of the type of game, I think that game would have been quite um, excruciating to the body in terms of these last minute tackles, the you know the slide tackles, the physicality of the game. You know, so I think Oli made a big decision there, took him out, and then obviously played going to play him for the Fulham game, and I think that's been one of Oli's best traits over this whole period. You know, Christmas period, we always say if if you mess up during the Christmas period, you're either, your season's done. You know, either you're out of the top four, you're out of the title challenge, you're out of top six, whatever it is, you're in the relegation battle. And if you probably look at our Christmas running, probably on par with Man City, you're probably, if not, probably the best in terms of how many points you've picked up. And I think the reason for that is because it's rotated certain players really well from them picking up injuries like Baye's come in like you know he's injury prone problem with Baye is when he gets injured he gets injured for eight months it's not like a two-week injury he's gone for eight months you won't see him till next year yeah he's been big this season as well you, need you know him. and yeah exactly he's come back and he's he's been a, a big player so you don't want to risk it like with him so I think I understand it and obviously I think with his performances being so good, I think that's raised Lindenoff's game as well. And I think that I think we've been starting to see that a bit more. Like the key player there is Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw was shit like last season. Like Tellez has come now, and you can tell like there's this like you know a very good individual that's coming to the team, knocking on that place. He wants that left back position as well. And now Luke Shaw's elevated his game. Everyone yeah, thought uh, Tellez would just come and slot into the team. Yeah, that's, that's what Shaw I, I would have said as well. That's what I would have said. You know, straight since away. then, Luke Shaw, I'm, I'm, on Sunday, he was unbelievable. Amazing. I'm, one, I'm of the, one, of the, one of the best games. One of the best games yeah, yeah, I've yeah, seen. 100%. I'm a massive critic of Luke Shaw over recent years. You know, at the start of his career, you know, massive prospect came at 18, injuries, you know. T- tangled his way in, and then yeah, he had a good he had a good um, form under Van Hal when he first started. You know, before yeah, the then leg he had break. the yeah, then he had the leg breaker, and that kind of messed him up. And that, yeah, obviously, and coming coming back from that is 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 hard, especially at a young age. But then since then, the part you know what it is with Luke Shaw, no one's really doubt doubted his kind of like you know his ability as a footballer. It's just been more like. Little things like you know, obviously he's been injury prone. That's that's a, that's something that kind of you never want in a footballer anyway. But things like you know, positionally, just in his decision making, those are the things that probably he's lacked since well the last few years. But now this season he's coming on. His decision making better. He's going forward when he needs to, rather than all the time. He's staying close to high, uh, closer to um, Maguire as well this season. You know, just shoring up at the back before he makes them runs past Martial or Rashford, whoever is in front of him. Yeah, definitely. There was an element solid. where he was he was supposedly fat, you know, and he was fat. And you can tell now he's trimmed down a lot of his weight and, you know, he's actually quite a stocky lad. You know, yeah. he's not, he's he's, not he's actually, he's not he's fat. More of a he's tank actually, than, yeah, he's know. built. He's actually quite yeah. built. So he's actually physically changed his element of his game there as well. And he was picking up constant injuries. He's not picking up injuries now. Yeah, like you said, good point. You know, him going forward. I don't think he used to go forward all the time, but I don't think he knew when to go forward and when not to go forward. That was the problem that he used to have. I think there was key moments in that game where, you know, when he was driving forward inside a Liverpool box, 
you know, I think you can tell that, yeah, you know what, this guy's a threat. I think he picked up, I think he was one of the most fouled in that game, you know. So I think you, you can just tell, I think, and that and those positions where he was fouled were in and around Liverpool's box, you know, so you can mm. tell they're in that final third and there was an element of the opposition trying to take him down because he like, look, this guy's a threat. Um, but yeah, I think these even, are promising promising signs for United. I think yeah, definitely. key performances, key players are stepping up. Yeah, didn't get the result. But if you told me before the game, would you take a draw? I'd say, yeah, hands down. You know, I'd take a draw. Anfield, probably we've not been able to pick up points there in recent years. Um, probably get thumping. You know, I think last, last year, I think we lost. I think we lost 1-0, but could have easily have been one of those where we probably lost four or five. I think I remember that game. Um, the year before that, I think Mourinho got sacked, got pumped 3-1. Yeah, same, 3 same, 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 same scenario. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a much, much better performance there. And I think we just got strength from strength now. That's it. We just got to kind of keep pushing. I think the concern that I've got as a fan is it's just this massive congestion of games. Um, how what what happens? I think in terms of certain players, who plays, are the performance levels still going to be up there? In terms of if the so-called backup player comes in or the rotated player comes in, you know, I think these are obviously what the manager's got to keep looking at. And, and I think that's one thing you've done well though this season. Rotations being key. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Everyone's getting game time, so it's not like someone's coming to the team and having not played four or five games. They probably missed that one game and coming in for the next. It's not a situation where this guy's lacking match fitness. The only problem, um, the only it's weird to say, but the only person that's probably lacking match fitness is Van der Beek. We were yeah. signed over the summer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, I think I think there's a couple of key stats that got put out there. Certain players that we signed: Fred Lindenoff. You know, um, I think there's a, there's one more. I can't think of top of my head, but these players. The key point was that all these players were, were bought around a similar fee, let's say 40 to 50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, game time in their first couple of years wasn't wasn't there. You know, they, they have taken time for them to come into the team. So I don't think it's a concern that Van der Beek isn't getting that much game time and minutes. You know, but there's certain maybe next season is a season you know he does he smashes it and does well and, and to realistically we wouldn't have signed him for 40 million if he wasn't going to play like, how does that make any sense yeah maybe the first season first season it's going to take him a bit of time to adapt you know bring him into the league whatever it is I'm not saying that he needs to adapt because he's been fantastic in my opinion when he does play but I don't think it's be all or end all you know that he's not playing I think right. depending well, on what his happened, contract four years or whatever. Yeah, it's four not years. Like, you know what I, mean? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's. It's. I don't think it's. A, it's probably a bit of a concern for him that he's not probably getting as much game time. But unfortunately, what do you do? You've got Pogba, and Matic that are unbeaten. That combination, they've not lost a game in about fifteen games. That combination. And then you've got Fred and, then you've and got McTominay, Fred and McTominay. Exactly. who are just absolute dogs. So why, as a manager? I wouldn't even change it. Even as a fan, I don't, I wouldn't want him to change it. And I think he may come in for the he may come in for the Fulham game, you know, where you know you're gonna have a bit more possession, maybe. Yeah, he, like he could so, come in. But so, so, again, like you said, you know, the four midfielders on rotation, they're doing very well. So where are you gonna put him in? Yeah, the only other position I could think of is if Bruno, but 
I think Ole came out and you can just tell this is how Bruno is that he doesn't want to you can tell in that Liverpool game when he got subbed off he was pissed Yeah, he was fuming he was pissed he wanted to play but you can tell he wants to play every game he is not going to be happy if he's on the bench it's just that mentality you need it you need it you need that sort of mentality yeah Ronaldo used to do it all the time when he used to score one goal and then Fergie used to sub him off and the reason why he sub him off is because the game the game's done in his eye you know mm. we've, we've buried the game we're winning 2-0 3-0 and you've just it's man management now so you've, you're taking Ronaldo off because he's probably a player that people want to foul people want to injure you know if you've got key games coming up let's let's protect him um, same with Bruno Fernandes I'd want him protected as well you know and I think that's that little stuff like that Klopp hasn't done you know there's, he's had certain injuries like let's say with the like Mane and Salah they look burnt this one, I'm saying, that's st- a good point. Like, let's move on to Liverpool. They've not scored in three games now. Mane, Salah, and Firmino do look burnt out. I think that's why probably Jota was signed to kind of ease that, ease that strain on them three. But obviously, since then, he's been injured the last couple of weeks. And then we've seen a strange decision on Sunday that Shakiri was bought in. I don't know why. He played okay. I don't think it helped them at all. Then they've got the problems at the back. I don't know what's going on with Liverpool at the moment. The same players play every game and that's what I'm worried about. That's what it is. They're burnt. You can tell they're burnt. They're lacking confidence. You played them against Aston Villa, against that C team, whatever you want to call it, under-18s, just for them to get a bit of, um, you know, just oh, a feel of a goal. Boost, yeah, yeah, confidence boost. That's it. But there's, there's elements in the game where like Liverpool winning 3-0. Mane and Salah will play the full 90. Why? Take them off. You've got then you're complaining about the amount of subs. What <laughs> who you're not even using three subs? I was thinking Why this you exactly. five? I was thinking this. I don't know, you know what's going on. Robertson, you've got he what I don't understand is he the style of football that he plays is high press, it's energy throughout the game. You know, your players cannot sustain that for a period of time. The only way you can do this now is if you start subbing your players in and out and certain players are missing certain games and they're not playing every week, week in, week out. Problem last season... Is... No, carry on, carry on. I was saying, last season, they they, they they done it. They got away with it. But we've seen Liverpool play at this really high standard for about two and a half years now. You know. Yeah, this, this, is, what, this is what I'm going to come on to. It's not like they've been doing it. For, it's not like we're complaining about the last six months. It's because this has been piling up from what two since he came in basically, since he got that team together on the way. I think I don't know when the season was on. You know when they made it to the Champions League final and lost against the Real Madrid. Since then, it's just been the same eleven, pretty much. Maybe a few players here and there. The same players playing week in week out, high intense, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's just I think it's this season if they've it's shown that. They can't hack it as much as they could before. You can't. It's impossible. You've seen Ferguson was the king at rotation. And the and the guy that takes rotation to a different level is Pep. He rotates <laughs> when you don't have to rotate. You know, he <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's like taking it to a different he's league. A, he's a nightmare for FPL, man. Yeah, he's taking it to a different league of rotation. But I think you need to take a bit of leaf out of their books, you know, in terms of 
certain players coming in, certain players sitting on, you know, rotating them out. Is it, do you think it's because, in. you know, the second string of players, he knows he can't count on them to get a result. If you look at, if you look at Robertson, Trent, you know, Van Dijk, Henderson, these players, they know, they know they're going to follow the instructions to a T. With the second string, you know that you're not probably you're not the gonna thing get the is how you pace. rotate, you rotate partially, you don't go full 11 rotation and stuff like that. You leave certain key players in a certain time. So, like let's say, let's say Liverpool next game, yeah. I don't I don't know who they're playing. They're playing Burnley, I think, at home. Burnley at home. Yeah, so Bur- Burnley at home. Um what what let's say what I'd probably do is I'd probably bench one of Mane and Salah. Yeah, because they're tired. Yeah. So what I've done is I've benched one of them. One of them will play that one that I've kept onto the field. He'll play 60 minutes. As soon as 60 minutes hits, I'm bringing on the other one. I'm taking him off for the other one. I'm bringing on the other one. Yeah. In the hope that the game is hopefully in my favour at that time. So now I've got a fresh world-class player coming off the bench. Um, Now Burnley are going to be a bit jaded at that time. Because you got to remember, they've played um, two games in close proximity as well. Um, so their players are going to be tired. And now I've brought on this World Cup players to kind of in- increase the attacking forefront of Liverpool and probably add another goal. So from their perspective, that's the last thing they want. Midfield as well. Midfield, you've seen that they rely on engines. They've got Ox on the bench. Rotate it a bit. Bring on Ox. You know, I think um, you've seen, I think, they're playing two centre-mids in centre-back at the moment, Henderson yeah. and Fabinho. I understand, obviously, that's a massive issue there at the back in terms of the centre-back pairing. But in certain games, I think he's got to take the chance and he's got to play, uh, is it Nat, Nat, Nat Phillips? Nat Phillips? Yeah, Phillips. And there's another There's another youngster as well. Is it... Um, is it Nathaniel, Nico? Nico Williams. I think Nico Williams. He's a, he's a, he's a fullback, I think. Yeah, as well. those are fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. So I think you need to partially rotate in key areas. You're playing Burnley. You know they're going to play wing play. And you know they're going to cross the ball. Yeah, that's all they're going to do. So in that type of game, do I want Fabinho Henderson a centre back? No. Because when I'm up against Chris Wood and Barnes, they're probably going to get bullied. Yeah, you know? a lot. So I'd probably risk it with a younger centre-back that's probably got a bit of pace that probably knows what he's doing over Henderson. I'll probably put Henderson back into the midfield and be like, look, Henderson, um, I want you to put here. And then, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing. And then what I'd probably yeah. do is Thiago has just come back from injury. Do I want to risk Thiago again in another risk close game? Maybe not. Bring someone and like Milner in, probably. Bring yeah, bring a Milner in. Bring an Oxley Chamber in, because a bit more you, experience you, as well. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like I said, the best person that does this is Pep. That he takes rotation to a different level, you know, in terms of who plays which game, how he manages that squad, to for the next month. I remember Ferguson, yeah, when the class of '92, when they started. Um, they were talking about how he knew his team for the last for for the next five six games. He knew his team. She obviously, if injuries came about, then you'd make an adjustment. 
he knew his team. Like during that Christmas period, he knew his team. And certain players, yeah, that like someone like Park Ji Sung or whatever it is, you wouldn't see them for the whole season. And then certain games they'll come alive. In certain Big periods. games like Park Ji Sung, yeah. yeah, they'll 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 be there, you know, and and that's what he used to say to them. Like, look, I don't need you in this game. I don't need you now, but there's gonna be this period here. I'm gonna need you. I need you to be ready. It's, it's that man- management, though, isn't it? I don't think Klopp's probably. I don't. I can't say in a bad way that he hasn't got it. But if you look, for example, you made a good point about rotations. If you look at that squad and every player in that squad, they know that they're going to play at some point. Whether it's the next game or the game after that, he knows that. Look, that person, I'll need him for this game. He might even have told him, like you said about Sir Alex, like, look, I'm going to need you in the next two weeks. Be ready. I don't think Klopp does that because he's with his team. It's like the starting eleven's there, and then it's the when the the backup team, second team. They're probably playing a guessing game. Oh, you know, if they if the game even if the game's dead and buried, he won't bring them off. And that's what the worry is. Well, this is this is it, and I, I think he just needs to kind of adapt and change that himself. Like, like I said, the style of football that he plays is very physically demanding I don't think there's a a team out there in the world that plays at that intensity you know and you've you've got to think of other teams that rotate far better than him bearing in mind that their team's intensity is much lower so I don't know I think he's got to he's got to look at that you know and I think he's got to make these changes very quickly before let's say Champions League comes and key games start coming around and he picks up more injuries that he probably doesn't want. It's, it's strange because we're halfway home 10 days or so and he's still not signed anyone. That's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a worry as well. But I guess we look, you know, we, that was a big, that game was a bit overhyped, nil-nil, typical big game hyped up by Sky Sports. But Jay, what I want to talk to you about this this week is does the does you know do the two giants in Spain, Barcelona and Real Madrid, still have the lure they do have or once did have back in the days? You know, you think about all the big guns, all the top top players that have played for Barcelona and Real Madrid, the two teams that would normally break the bank and you know world transfer after world transfer. Zidane, Figo, Ronaldinho, Messi, Ronaldo, list goes on and on. Galacticos were born over there as well. Do you still think players are, you know, waiting for that big money move to Spain now? Or do you think the Premier League is too big of a, you know, project of, a, you know, money invested in this in England now? You know, the money you can gain from here, the competition the number of games, just in general, do you think that, you know, players do wait for that big money move? Yeah, I think it has taken a bit of a turn, but the stature of those clubs don't go. You've seen Man United have been shit for like six, seven years since Fergie left. But in terms of pulling power, playing, buying players, doesn't matter what people want to say, you know, whether we've been in Europa League, you know, the, the power has still been there. The stature has still been there. The finances have still been there as well. And I think between those two, I think it, 
the same applies. Obviously, we've seen, you know, two probably of the greatest players that we'll ever probably see ever starting to come to the end of their career. Ronaldo's obviously left Real Madrid. So I think that ends that kind of rivalry there between Messi and Ronaldo from Barcelona to Real Madrid. I think that's what added that extra spice at the club. Um, Messi's coming to the end of his career and Real Madrid have taken a new turn. Real Madrid have taken a new turn in the sense that they are not the Galacticos of 2000 or the 2010. They have now changed into this youth buying Galactico. We are going to buy players that are 17. We are going to buy players that are 18. And then by the time they are 21, their market value is going to be 100 mil. And they will They're be going to the create Galacticos. Exactly. More They're basically playing football manager in real life now. And this is the modern <laughs> way. This is, that is the, this is the modern way. I don't know why it's taken teams or someone this long to, you know, take this kind of model and implement it. Yes, one or two seasons, you are going to struggle. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. But after that, you're going to have a team for seven, eight years that is going to destroy Europe. You know, some of those guys become worldy. Think about it. If I'm 17, I'm playing for Real Madrid. I'm 18, I'm playing for Real Madrid. I'm playing Champions League week in, week out. My progress my progress week in week out market value is immense. Straight up it's crazy history, yeah market value however you want to, let's say i buy five i'm ramaged that's what mary ramaged are doing they're doing a numbers game they're they're buying probably all the biggest talents at the moment from south america europe wherever they are and let's say out of that crop of 10 uh 40 make it 60 flop yeah 60 flop um, Ramjid, for some reason they always retain their transfer value they don't sell players on a cheap they don't sell players on a loss as well you've always seen it they still sell players on a big value why because it's the statue of the club oh he's played for Real Madrid you know so I think as a buying team I think it adds that element there um, I think I agree at the moment that stature like Barcelona and Real Madrid doesn't have the umph there anymore but I think that's why because they're going for a transition you know, it's, it's impossible for a club to stay at that level for a long time. It's one of them ones where if you look to what, even five, six years ago, a person signing from Real Madrid or Barcelona, the opportunity to play for with Messi or Ronaldo is like, you know, to play with two of the best ever players. You can't, you can't say no to that, you know, including to the, including the stature of the club. You can't say no. I think now because of the transition and things like that, they're looking more uh, at, young, at youth, like you said, from South America mostly. You know, you've got Rodrigo, Vicinius Jr. Uh, I don't know many other players that are coming in, but you might. Uh, Mendy, they've got that left-back youngster coming in. They've got like a young centre-back, Militao. He's 21. Militao, Ed- yeah, of course, Mil- Ed- Militao. You know, Valverde is 22. They've got Odegaard, who's 20, yeah. 20, 21. That squad is a joke. They've got you know, two it, amazing are, teams. Asset value-wise, these youth are probably like, each of them probably worth like 50, 60 mil in terms of, and they're getting game time. The only problem is at the moment is that Zidane is probably not the right person to probably take these players forward. You know, he's, he still has this kind of biasy towards the older lot. Let's say your Modric is, who's 35, 36. Casemiro, Benz. Yeah, like, fair enough. Benzema has become their best player. I don't know how, but he's become their best player. He just somehow does it every year, you know, somehow. And I think the others are just not getting game time. And it's just, as a fan, it's quite frustrating. And I think for the Madrissas as well, I think they're quite 
frustrated as well. You know, as, the as thing a fan is, base. you know, you know, for the players and just people in general from South America, they look at Real Madrid and Barcelona as these like god clubs. So for them to have the opportunity to come play for these clubs is like, it's like you know, just it's a religion to them. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you look at those sort of people as a, in the Premier, in you know, looking at the Premier League, it's different. I think it's just like you said, it's the history of the club. If you look at you know past players that have come from there, the De Stefanos, the you know Neymar, Messi, all these players that played in La Liga under the you know with these big big clubs. But I still think right now someone would rather go to a place like Manchester United, Liverpool, Man City over somewhere like Barcelona or Real Madrid because of finances, because of your likelihood of winning something now. If you're looking at a youngster, if you're looking at a younger player, fair enough, you you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, because they're going through transition phase, someone's probably thinking, you know, I can go in there and be the main man. But the likelihood of you being a success there is going to be a lot lower than you going to somewhere like Madrid and, you know, Barcelona. Not only that, I think if you look at, if you look at the Premier League as a project, all the top coaches are in the Premier League. You've got your Klopp, Guardiola, Mourinho, Ole. <laughs> you got, you got all the top, top coaches. And I think those that's what is more of a learner, because you, you look at if you look at let's say let's let's take um, Barcelona and Man City as an example. If you're a player and you're thinking you know I want to play under Pep Guardiola, but then you Barcelona come in and you're thinking I can play I can play for Barcelona, one of the biggest clubs in the world, but I don't really want to play under Koeman. Do you know what I mean? It's it's that it's different. If you look, everyone wants to play the Pep way. Clock way, no one wants to play the Kuman way. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's true. Is it? Do you know what I mean? So I think I think at the moment, I understand yeah, hopefully right. in the next four or five years, if if Madrid do uh, uh, you know, I'm, I think they're doing very well now anyway with the transition. Therefore, if Barcelona get it right, it could they could they're gonna be back anyway. Yeah, for for these type of teams, it doesn't take them much to come back to where they were. You know, it's like it's like with United. It's these type of statues of these clubs, you know, they're so Liverpool as well. You know, as in, um, obviously Liverpool taking a, a long time in terms of finally winning the league. But you know, I think the issue that Liverpool always had was senior management up above. You know, since the new owners have come in, well, they've been there for a while now. But since they've come in, I think there's been a, a quite a direct approach on how they want to play football. The manager that needs to come in has to be the correct manager and the signings that they're making as well. So I think once that's kind of, once that was aligned, Liverpool kind of were, have come back in track and, you know, they've shown that, look, yeah, you know, we're still here. But we remember the, the Liverpool, uh, the Real Madrid of 2005, you know, when they had like Manzat, Van der Vaart, Robin, these were all burnt out, shitty players at the time. Higuain at the time, these were shit, shit players. And then after that, Real Madrid went on Galacticos part two. Uh, that was the second round of Galacticos that they'd done. They bought Kaka, they bought Ronaldo, you know, they bought, they got in Benzema, they bought in Di Maria, you know, they, they made big boy signings. And 
Um, I think Modric was around that time as well. Yeah, Modric Maybe came short, short, shortly after. Yeah, they came in for Mourinho, forty million. Bale, Bale was there. Yeah, Bale was like, yeah, again, one of the, one of the latter ones. Kaka, you know, all these type of players they went through and they bought. But I don't think Real Madrid want to do that. It's not sustainable for them. They can't. Those type of players now will probably cost two hundred million. So it's understandable for Real Madrid that they don't want to compete in that type of a market. Um, and I think they still it's, want it's these. It's strange exciting... though because they still spent a hundred million or whatever it was on Hazard. Yeah, I think if you think about it relatively, I think Hazard contract was running out. Um, I think he only had like one and a half years. Chelsea wanted needed to cash in. Hazard didn't want to sign a contract. Um, and It's not like he wasn't on form as well. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 100 million at that time, if you're thinking about it, for the best player in the Premier League, you know, at the time, he was the best player in the Premier League, probably in terms of his goals, assists, what he was doing. Quality, just you pure know, quality. It, it, it was probably a no-brainer. And you've got to remember, by that time, Neymar had moved to PSG for 220 million. Um, Moussa Dembele no Moussa Dembele 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 had gone from Dortmund to Barcelona for about 120 Coutinho had gone from Liverpool to Barcelona for 150 Mbappe moved I think as well 150 something Mbappe Mbappe is a steal isn't it 150 but that's the cheap that's cheap (laughs) yeah he's got a long term but when you think about Hazard for 100 mil it's it's not, know, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad it's, business. It's, it's a good deal, but obviously Hazard's not really kicked on, and um, it's proven that he's worth hundred mil. I think that's the issue that they have. There. Might cash in on him, hopefully, but I don't. He's he's it's one of them players that, like you said about Zidane, he likes the old guys. He likes Hazard as well, even though he's injury prone. He still likes him. No one can doubt Hazard's quality and you know ability. I don't think anyone can doubt it, but I think the problem really? that Hazard's got is his weight, though. Yeah, I think this is the issue. Physically, he's gone to a less demanding league compared to the Premier League, and yeah. he's physically deteriorated. I think maybe he's got this fat paycheck now, and he's probably thought that I can doss around and lazy around with it because the standards at Real Madrid have slightly dropped. But the one thing that I think people need to align or people need to realize is that structure of Real Madrid their fan base is the most demanding fan base ever you know they will turn on their club legends and make them into you know people that they hate managers will go in and out as quick quick as that you know because this work this club works on a presidency so that president needs to make sure that his tender at that time has been a successful one and they will look at it based on accolades signings that they've made you know, the brand of football that they're playing at the time, these are all key factors that run through the club's fan base and in the club. So, you know, if Hazard's not careful, he can be in and out of that team very quickly, like you've seen with Bale. You know, Bale, obviously, is on a fat paycheck. They don't want him anymore. He's out. And right, rightly so. I don't think um, there's any, any need to even support Gareth Bale. But I think at the moment, yeah, you're right. These, both these teams are a bit on the downfall perch, but I think it's a transition. You know, it takes time, these type of things. I don't think it's any gonna, team, apart from Ferguson teams, he transitioned from about, in total, in his whole career, four squads probably of players. Maybe yeah. even more, you know. Yeah, maybe even more, like, successfully. If you look at like, the number of players that he's dealt with. 100%. And successfully. Man, like so many successfully. players. Like, I think the lowest he came... After the start of his career at Man United, it was like third. 
that was the lowest he had ever come. I think. Yeah, I think that was only once or maybe even twice. Yeah, but... and other than that, it was first, second, first, second, first, second. The thing is, you know what it is? with When he came, he already knew that his squad wasn't ready. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a case where he was going for the title and he came up short. It was a case where he probably told the players, look, we're not ready. I think Mourinho done it when he first, when he, on his second term at Chelsea, he's, you know, a lot of press were going at him saying, look, you're going to win the league. He said, I'm not winning the league. And I think City won the league that season, but he's our next week. Next year, we'll be ready. And then he wins the league next year. Yeah, yeah. Mourinho so always says that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mourinho is that guy. But, but the thing... The thing yeah, the thing with Fergie, you'd always buy youth players in at the same time as well. So you'd spend like 30 million a season on youth. The guys that will go in the under 18s or under 21s, you know, from wherever they are. And slowly they'll might be get a couple of Carabao games, FA Cup games here and there. And then he'll buy like one or two guys that refresh the squad. And then next year he'll do the same. Every year he's spending money. He's refreshing the squad, buying a couple of players here and there, buying a couple. And his vision was always five, six years down the line. And I think because of that job security that he had, that he was never going to get sacked. Yeah, I think that helped him in his decision-making um, in terms of buying players for the long term, like way easier. Because if he had a, a, a lapse of, let's say, three, four games, you know, never you would ever see probably 15 years into his career, whatever, 10 years into his career, that a newspaper will start writing Sarah Ferguson needs to get sacked. Is under pressure. Sarah Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd never probably see that top five article even written. No one would dare to write that. Exactly. So I think, I think the element of a transition is extremely difficult, especially in nowadays. Um, but with the I money think, going around, you have to spend a lot wisely now. A lot more, you know, shrewd business has definitely got to be done. It's got, it's got to be, you know. If you look, if you look at, I know it's not been successful for you know right now, but you know Saliba. If you look at thirty million, it's probably peanuts. But long term, like you said, you know, looking at all these youngsters, he's going to be worth. He may hopefully he's going to be worth you know three times that, four times that, hopefully in the future. But then you've got the likes of Fofana, you know, all these players coming in. I think uh, the English teams are doing that a lot now as well. Instead of yes, going I out think... and buying these, spending all this money, like, you know, Pogba, obviously Pogba yeah. is an exception at the time, but you're still, a, you know, relatively experienced player. World record free at the time. It's more, it's more, it's more kind of driven by you, someone that you can get five years out of rather than... I don't think it's world record signing. 90 million. I think it was at the time. But then someone broke it straight away after. I don't know, man, because... I mean, look. We there was obviously the Pogba. Yeah, world record eighty nine million at the time, two thousand sixteen. But do you know what I mean? It's like fair enough. It was eighty nine million, but at the time you're thinking, look, we need the we need a player now. I think now nowadays is more situation. We want to we want to get at least four or five seasons out of out of these players. So let's yeah, yeah, 100%. A bit more younger. When when you look at players, you you want someone that's gonna come in for yeah, like you said, like five six years. But then there's that element that you want them to come in and have an impact straight away as well. So I think you've got to get that right balance of players in terms of the middle aged ones and the younger ones as well. 
um, obviously, like, Bruno has been like a revelation at Man United. He's middle aged, you know, he's 25, 26. You know, so I think Even. obviously he's made a massive impact into that. But we will have Bruno Fernandes for hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't go anywhere. So move on or whatever for like five, six years, hopefully. You know, so I can't see him going anywhere now. I think he just seems like this is just home to him now. He just, yeah. and I see him, like the passion that's involved in this club. Um, I think later he will get a captaincy. Like, he will, it's, it's inevitable. He will get a captaincy at some point in his career at Man United. I think there's a situation where he he knows, or not he knows, he but he feels like the main man and I think he likes that. It is. All, all he's missing so, is just like armband on his on his arm. That's it. I think in the dressing room it's evident that he is the main man. You know, when you watch him on the pitch, he's switching at players all the time. Move there, move Would you there, want to give this. it to him though? Yeah, I'd give it to him. He deserves it. You know, all he needs is just a, uh, an armband beside him. That's it. And well, how he conducts my, himself. My, my, my reasoning is because, you know, you've got Harry Maguire, who's, I think he's a captain right now, you know, and then you can have, you can have that vocal point at the back. But then you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's basically the vocal point going forward. Yeah, so naturally you'll have not one leader, you'll have a number of leaders within the team. So, you know, whether Maguire continues to be a, a leader at the back, he can do so, or someone else comes in and steps up, that's absolutely fine. You know, but the key is you don't have just that one leader on the pitch, you have yeah. two or three. So, so there are times where uh, the captain himself, you know, he will step back in terms of changing rooms or maybe giving certain speeches and certain players will, will step up. If you look at that United team back in the day, or even that Real Madrid team, because we're on the topic of Real Madrid, when they won three Champions League, Ramos has always been their club captain. But Ronaldo, he's a massive figurehead, massive ego. And Ronaldo does the same as all. If some a pass is not played right, if he's fucked up himself, he will express his opinion straight away there and then. You know, you'll you'll see the body language. You know him telling he's, players he's do the this, whole do that. You know, and Bruno has that same thing where he'll tell players straight away that look, that pass is not good enough. They maintain that standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's got to be correct. Exactly. It's There's it's no not it's not. Let's clap our hands and next time. Next oh, go, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's now, it's, it's now it's, or never. Basically. It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was a chance. That wasn't good enough. Yeah. And you need to know that wasn't good enough. Yeah. And you need that mentality. That's what that, brings it's you that, forward. It's that winner's mentality. And I think at the moment, Real Madrid in the squad, they lack that. I think they've only got uh, Ramos at the moment. You know, Possibly Real, Benzema, but he does it more by yeah. performances. Benzema is a very quiet individual, if you think about it, in terms of yeah, on yeah, the field. Yeah. I think obviously he's got his shenanigans that he does off the field. That's obviously different. But <laughs> Twitter videos, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know. But, but Real Madrid has always been that. They need that superstar player. I think we might think that Barcelona and Real Madrid have obviously dipped over time. But I think um, if you look at their stadium, the accolades, the most Champions League... They're building like some. They're doing an extension on their stadium. That's going to even both of them. Gonna, yeah, it's going to make their stadium look amazing. I think they're build, building like these ma massive training facilities at the same time. 
Real you Madrid know. Stadium is going to look nuts. I don't know if you've seen the design. I've seen, it yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Even nuts. Barcelona's, their design yeah, looks Barcelona's amazing. Yeah, Barcelona's going to look amazing. It looks amazing, you know. So I don't think we can kind of say that their perch has... They definitely they know off. that they... It's, it's one of them ones where they know they've gone through a transition. Do you know and, what I mean? It's not just hit them thinking, yeah. oh, no, what do we do now? They're thinking, okay, you know, we're going to be dipping for a few years, but... And, after that, that's it. Exactly, up. exactly. And you've seen Barcelona as well, yeah? So they're transitioning. Well, they've been transitioning since uh, Luis Enrique was the, you know, since the Neymar, Suarez, Neymar Messi transfer, broke yeah. up. Since that broke up, you know, they've been transitioning since then. Um, they're bringing in young players now, finally from the academy. You know, you've got people like Mariba coming in. You've got Pedri. You've got Ansu Fati coming in. There's, uh, I think... Another Busquets that's Easy there. He's a player. I forgot there's his a, name. There's another Busquets that's there. That, they got De Jong still as well. The, the they got a, last year. They got Carlos Elena. You know, there's a lot of these young players that are starting to come through again now. And they, and the good thing about Coleman is actually breeding them into the team where other managers have not done so. So yeah, fair enough. They're losing. They're not doing too well. Things are happening on the pitch. You know, uh, but again, it's a transition. I think with with Barcelona. I think it was more of a situation where you know the the management at the top got it very very wrong because they bought big big money signings like Griezmann, Dembele, Coutinho. I think those were probably what probably near five hundred million just on them three players. And let's be honest, what Coutinho's flopped, Dembele's just been injured, and Griezmann's been terrible. So I think that they looked at that and said, look, we can't sustain this. We cannot sustain this. So we've got to definitely get into the, get in youth, gain players that we can that we can, you know, bring in and probably maybe move on late, later on down the line or you know, be players that can actually have a stalemate in this team for the next five to ten years. But I think that their situation is different to Real Madrid because Real Madrid knew you know, once they got rid of Ronaldo, they weren't able to kind of spend all that money on one player and hopefully put all your... I think it became a situation like that. Obviously, not, they've signed for seniors, Junior, Rodriguez, and all these other youth players, you know, Eddie Militao, like you said, Mendy. I can't remember that right back that they've got... Um, Kimi, they sold. They don't really have a young right back. Kimi, they sold. No, they. they or was it, did he? Did they sold sell him to Bayern Munich? The Spanish. Hakimi. No, the Spanish right back. Odrio Zola. Odrio Zola. He was on loan. He's dead. He was he's going to go back so on he's still loan. There. Yeah, he's so he's back on loan. Oh, is he, he still? Yeah, Carvajal yeah, is still, I think like, he's somehow just still in the team. Yeah, but I think yeah, you know, Bayern Munich. I think they'll come back to the perch and the. You know the galactic ways. I think that that will return. I don't think there's any concern there. I think it's just a transition. Um, mm. you Let's know, these well, type of players. One, are... one thing I wanted to add before we before we end the episode. A couple of players moving. Well, a couple, one of your one of the has retired. Waza. Anything to say on his? Uh... Well, he was amazing at United. Let's be honest. Him, Rooney, Tevez, problems every is. When people say talk about Firmino, Marnie and Salah, like it's like they haven't seen Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, that they used to call that combination like Rolls Royce, isn't it? Like double R. Rolls Royce. Yeah. Like Rooney Ronaldo. Tevez. Yeah. No, no. Just uh, no, Rooney Tevez. Rooney Ronaldo. That used to be the combo. Uh, Rooney Ronaldo was a problem, but then you put in Tevez. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Berber, I think, for a season as well. That was when we won. Yeah, we won a, a double that that year. Tevez, double, Tevez had left to Man City after his loan finished. Um, but yeah, Rooney's been a fantastic servant for club and country. You know, I think there was a a lot of expectation on him when he was coming up to lead England to certain places, take him to certain, you know, uh, certain lengths in certain competitions, whether it's a Euro or it's a World Cup. But I think we've always known that then there's always needed to be a bit more than Rooney to do that. Um, I think for club, he had that one amazing season in terms of goals. I think as a youth, I just still remember a 16-year-old explosive you know, that stocky, you know, striker coming in. With kind of power bulldog mentality. Pace. Yeah, with power and pace, you know, bulldozing. I remember that Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce. It's, it's uh, the debut. He's got a hat-trick, debut, yeah. yeah. Perfect hat-trick. Header, left foot, right foot. Free kick was nice as well. The 17, he was 17, I think he's 17 years old. And we spent 30 million on him at the time. And I think, and he is Manchester United's... Uh, Leading goal scorer, and beat, England's, yeah, and England's beat Bobby Charlton. I think he's had a fantastic, amazing career. Um, I don't think we can kind of doubt Wayne Rooney's ambition. I think the key, whenever you've seen Wayne Rooney, he'd always give not 100%, he would give it 150%. I think the key, the greatest thing about watching him sometimes is when he's the team have lost the ball, not him, the team, the other players have lost the ball, he sprints all the way from strike all the way to defence and makes a tackle, wins the ball, and then he brings it forward. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm at Old Trafford and there's seventy thousand fans there, that's it. That stadium is pop popping. You know, and he used to do it time and time again. He always he was one of them ones that like you said about Bruno Fernandes, he got vexed. He doesn't care about emotion and like how big you are as a player, or whatever. If you need to have a go at, he'll have a go at you. Yeah, he wore that. Do you know what I mean? And he led by example. He wore that badge on his sleeve. You know, whether he yeah, played for Everton, 100%. whether he played for DC United, whether he played for Derby, whether he played for Man United, England, he wore that badge on his sleeve. You know, that was all or nothing for him. And obviously, fair enough, there were at certain points in his career where, you know, you can tell physically he's deteriorating a bit, pace is going off. Um, he's probably losing that killer instinct in the box. But naturally, these things happen. And I think... Because he transitioned as a player from playing striker to slowly playing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, um, I don't think that aided his, you know, longevity as a player, as a striker. You know, I think eventually he ended up becoming like a centre mid. He could uh, have played there. Yeah, I think for Derby that's where he played. He played like centre yeah for mid. Derby he played yeah and he played centre mid. But I think. You can tell over a certain period of time that would be his position because obviously technical ability. Yeah, less fantastic player, man. I think there's only Ronaldo left now, isn't it? Off that 08 team. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Surprisingly, he's still going. He's gonna play till about 40. I still I, I seen to... a video this this morning about yeah. you know Yoga Benita adverts back in the days. Um, the one that Cantona used to host. And I seen one, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, the one between 
uh, Ronaldo and Zlatan, where they're doing like some nakes tricks and like hitting cones and all sorts. And I'm thinking, Ronaldo like looks young, like and he's still going. And I'm thinking Zlatan looks young and he's still going. I'm thinking these guys just they don't care. They're just grafting and grafting. And Rooney was the same. He played to what well, I think I don't know how old, how old he's now, but. What a play. I think he's one of the ones where you never appreciate him until he's actually retired. Do you know you know what I mean? He's just his uh, his ability. I've seen players that not players, but I've seen on Twitter like players playing people are saying that Kane's better at their name and things like that. I'm thinking you've not like you're acting like you've never seen Wayne Rooney play football. He had that street, he had his own he had his own football show. Yeah, Wayne soccer. Rooney was a brand. You know, until he done Brand. that, until he done those fuckeries on the side. Like, yeah, um, yeah, but like, you know. he had Coke deals, he had Nike. You know, and then obviously they had dropped him because obviously the image that he's portraying is not, but, not yeah, a good exactly. one. It's not a good one after that. So, but yeah, he he was the hottest shit at the time. Um, and obviously you've got to remember, he used to score like fantastic goals. You know, he used to win, he used to score game-winning goals as well. Uh, I think he was at Man United until about thirty. Yeah, like 30, 30 yeah. Van Hal, I think he left under Van Hal, right? Uh, mm, and to go to Everton for half season or season or whatever it was. But what a player. What a player. Another player that left the Premier League? Maybe, or maybe it was uh, Mourinho, maybe. I think one or two. But he was, he was only at Everton for one season. Yeah, one season, yeah. Yeah, and then he left to MLS. Another player that left the Premier League one of the greatest ever players ever. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Meza Ozil. Finally. Oh, yeah. Finally, shall we say. Finally. What are you saying about that? I think everyone's just happy it's finished. Like, none of this hoopla about what's going on on Twitter. None of this kind of, you know, you know, people saying that, you know, you're just getting a paycheck, etc. And, being phased out, not being able to play Premier League football. It's just been a bit of a sticky finish, but I think everyone's happy. Like, look, he's gone to Fenerbahce. Hope he's, you know, all well to him, everything. Just let's just move on. Move on. Like, you can't argue with his ability when he came. Like, I remember, I remember when he signed in 2013 and we were like, like one of the best ever playmakers, one of the best playmakers at the time. And he was playing like you know, like you said about before about the statue of Real Madrid. Like he was playing for Real Madrid week in, week out, like so Kaka, Ronaldo, Benzema, Higuain. And then he, you know, somehow, somehow Arsene Wenger convinced him to join um Arsenal. At a time when we, you know, we were going through a very, very bad patch as a football club, not winning anything. Uh, probably just scraping into top four. Do you know what I mean? And then, I, like Jane, I'm I, I'm sure you felt the same. You were shocked that that this guy chose Arsenal over over other clubs, or you know somehow chose Arsenal instead of Real Madrid where he was before. But I can't. You can never argue his ability in the Premier League. I think ev- everyone just wanted him to become an English player to kind of have that. You know dogginess, work rate and kind of mentality where, you know, like a wazzer or whatever, but that's just never who the player he was. 
And I think after a while, he just took his toll and the, the media got onto him. And then he was just kind of like, once the media got onto him, he was pretty much downhill. And then he got the big money contract. It was between him and Sanchez. Who's going to get it? Everyone was thinking, yeah, I'll give it to Ozil. And obviously, hindsight-wise, we should have given it to Sanchez and whatnot. But you can't argue his ability. He was what? He, I think he got 19 assists in one season. I think that was the season when Leicester won the league. We were supposed to win it, but then Giroud didn't score any goals until and all that last last four or five months cost us the league. But nah, I think I think everyone everyone knew his ability. Everyone was gassed when he came. Top player, but it's just a bit a bit. It's a bit. It's, it's a bit um, I'm a bit unhappy how we, how we finished. A bit sour. Yeah, I think extremely. Sour grapes towards the end, but I think that was probably due to his own performances. Um, obviously, then he's on a bumper contract. I think the frustrating thing with him is that how vocal he was on the social media. He used to say certain things and trigger. Are you, are you talking about like these, um, like China and you know, obviously, no, no, obviously, or do you mean no? I think that obviously that political element that I think that was evident that because of that um, why he didn't play why he probably didn't get registered as well because it doesn't matter you know how shit that player is if you're playing 350k a week you're going to register that player you know regardless yeah. whether you play some part or bit part or however much he plays and I think it was evident that when Arteta started his career at Arsenal that he was he was bringing in some sort of he was playing a certain amount of games for the club. He was playing a certain amount of games for the club. So he was in Arteta's plan. I think obviously after those comments, I think that was, you know, kind of sealed his fate. But I think there's certain like Arsenal ex-players and stuff that were saying that if he continued his career at maybe a higher standard for his last probably like two, three years, maybe two years, yeah, two, three years, you know, I think some of the ex-Arsenal fans would have uh, would have put him up there with Bergkamp. You know, so I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that comment. I think statistically, I don't think you've ever had a... Say, say that, say that stat again. I think if some Arsenal, ex-Arsenal players, they're obviously like pundits or whatever they are now, I think they were saying over his last two years, I think obviously it was a bit shit. He didn't turn yeah. up, he didn't perform. But if he had done so, um, you know, contributed X amount of goals, assists, whatever it is, and then let's say he'd left in January like he'd done so, they would have put him on par, maybe even on a better pedestal than Burkamp. Better, yeah. Well, some on par, I should be shocked with the on par part first, but nah. But what was Burkham saying people... statistically, though? I know he never used to get that many Statist- goals. Statistically, he never a goals probably... man. No, he wasn't. A... But it seemed like Ozil. They weren't. They're not goals. They're not goalsmen. They more. Yeah, like I know. But like assistants, was... they're artists. Yeah, magicians. Did Burkham get the hefty amount of? Assist because the funny thing is he was known as this assist man, but Thierry Henry's got the assist record. The thing is with Burkamp, I think it was more when he when he signed, it was more of a 
revelation for the club. The club was going in a new dimension, a new trajectory, where they were going to play this, you know, type of football. He is the one who introduced it. I think that's probably why he gets a bit more loving than any other player. And I think with Burkamp, you can think he probably did it more consistently over over a period of time. With Ozil, if you think about it, the only season that stands out is the one where he got 19 assists. You know, obviously he won, I think it was like four FA Cups or something. But as a, a big club, you can't think about, you know, you can't see success as four FA Cups. It just doesn't, it just doesn't match what Burkham done. I understand, you know, he did amazing things for his country, you know, winning the World Cup. That's, a, that's just, you know, you can't go beyond that. I just think you can you can argue for him. You can say that, you know, the media, this, you know, this, this kind of era is a lot more unforgiving. You know, whether you, whether you, even if you play a good game, it's always going to be something bad that you've done that's going to be targeted at. Whereas back in the days, it's a bit more different. You know, so you can probably argue statistically, but I think if you look at, you know, the wow factor, everyone would still go for Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I, I didn't get that comment as well. I just wanted to take, see your take on it. Yeah, obviously, for myself, there's always going to be Bergkamp. Stacked accolades that he'd, he'd won, just style, brand. Bergkamp played until towards the end of his career as well for Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. And Ozil's not really that old. But you can argue that obviously Bergkamp was in a winning team and things like that, but it's not like he didn't go through squads. Do you know what I mean? He yeah, was yeah, going 100%. through the transition at Arsenal. You know, think, and Arsenal you know, weren't in a position. Ian Wright. Yeah. He started off with Ian Wright, finished with Thierry Henry. Like, yeah, yeah. come on now, that's <laughs> just two world-class players that you're going to play with. Yeah. And like you said about you know, Ronaldo was obviously sad when he left when Urza left because he was he was the main man that gave him the goals, half the goals or whatever you want to call it. I think it was the same with Thierry Henry when he said about that. Even the, Mourinho used to say that he can't. I remember even if you look at his career at Real Madrid, he couldn't play ninety minutes. As a he would get subbed off sixty minutes. I, every I remember game. you. I remember you telling me this when he signed, and I was like, "No Six, way!" Sixty minutes. I'm sure he's played over sixty minutes, and I looked at the stats, and you were right. Look, he has not played. It's crazy. A handful of games. That was obviously there's that infamous quote that Mourinho said to him at half time or something. Um, you know, about him, you know, he needs to kind of fix up his act or he's out. And um I think you've seen in certain games with Urzel where this element that he's gone ghost, you know, where yeah. is Urzel? What's he doing? You know, and I think that type of a cam does not in today's modern player football it does not work i think i think we obviously had a discussion of that cam is it a dying breed or not ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah on our previous pods and i think he those type of cams they're dead they're not going to work in premier league no more the modern day cam is uh, bruno fernandez or kevin de bruyne that drops deeper that does the dog work um and they can get goals and assists, and their longevity is there. You know, I think yeah. those are the type of the cams. Yeah, and those are the type of cams that you see. You see, like, um, ESR for Arsenal, 
yeah. Smithrow, if anyone doesn't get that abbreviation. You know, if you've seen elements to him where he drifts out onto the left, you know, he goes into the right, drops deep. You know, he's only 17 years old, but he's certain things to his game. He's doing already doing very, very well. And um, that is a it's modern funny, type of camp. He said yesterday as well about him being, you know, looking up to Bruno right yeah, now that, because you, he's a top dog. That's, that's it. You've got to be looking at that guy. Even if I'm a centre mid, I'm looking at this guy, you know, oh, this is how I want to play. What's Even his position yeah, like? Yeah, exactly. What's my position like? You know, what is he doing? The key thing that you've got to remember about Bruno Fernandes is that everyone knows he's an amazing player. But still, game in, game out, he's still getting a goal or assist. How? How is he doing it? Even if... So it's not it's not like teams are not putting out tactics that two-man need to man-mark him. You know, every team is doing that. Against Fulham, Fulham are going to do the same thing. Bruno mm. Fernandes, X, Y, Z, you don't give him one yard. How is he making one yard to, to himself to make that pass? That's what it is. It's all about that positional in terms of how he's moving around the pitch. And the key thing there is that the Bruyne does the same thing as well. They drop deep. Sometimes you see them in front of the defence. You know, and they pick they up the ball there. Ball. Yeah, they pick up the ball there. You know, and then they'll do a little one-two, free up a bit of space. And then sometimes you see them out on the left. Why are they out on the left? You know, they're trying to lose their man. They're trying to just create some space. They're everywhere. Overlap, I guarantee if I look at their heat anything. map, if I look at their heat map, they are everywhere on the pitch. They're not just in the centre. They are, they are doing everything they can to create some space and, and you know, free themselves up. And that is a modern type of cam, I think. He's just not his 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 era of cam is just kind of just gone now. It's just vanished. Yeah, it's not in the game you know, When he went when he signed for Arsenal, when he was playing for Real Madrid, you know, let's be honest, there was only one main man in the team that was creative, the number ten, and then you yeah. had you know your wingers would cross in and or inverted. Yeah, uh, and then that that type of player wouldn't defend. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't yeah, need to. Exactly. And now that game has changed, like they, everyone has to contribute slightly to, um, for a defense. You know, you can't have a sole attacker that does nothing. Yeah, you can't, you can't. <laughs> but it's yeah, you know, he's gone. I think. Thank you, that he's just gone somehow six months before his contract finished. But he's just gone. You know, hoping well I in front of uh, Tracking his flight. <laughs> yeah, alongside three hundred thousand people. That's crazy, man. You are still fans are different, man. No, we got we have to make sure he's gone, isn't it? No problem with the plane or nothing. I had me, I had Mihir's doing it as well. He was there at the airport. You know that <laughs> where you giving all them waving them away and that. Yeah. <laughs> he was that guy, me was the guy. Mihir was a security at Heathrow, man. Making sure he doesn't come back. Make sure he doesn't come back, man. Mihir's with on with yeah. him right now. Make sure he signed the contract. <laughs> uh, nah, I think he's gone. That's not just thank God. I think we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have any topics that you want us to discuss or, you know, just any questions you have, just please drop them in to our, on our socials. They'll be in the description below. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. Please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to leave a review on the various podcast platforms. We'll see you next time.